The text for the sermon today is Psalm 138, verse 8. We'll read that verse again, the last verse of Psalm 138. The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. Your mercy, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work the works of your hands. <clears throat> Beloved brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ. What a year it was. 2014. Good, a lot of good things happened. Looks like the the West is slowly coming out of the economic downturn of the past number of years. South of the border here, also then here. And also here, too, we could enjoy so many things. New life was given here. Also, very difficult things happened. Terrible things, even. You know, they seem to be easier to list if you think about the news and uh, the reviews. Turmoil in Ukraine. Continuing war and unrest in the Middle East. Passenger planes vanished in thin air or, or crashed in Asia. Ebola in Africa. And so much unrest in the world. Just a few of the things. I could add all kinds of things, of course, from the news. Yearly reviews of the media have lots of good and bad events of 2014 to list. And you can think about your own life, the joys and the the struggles of your own life, too. And you could, you could ask, what is the connection between all those things in the world, in your own life? Is there a, a connection? Could, you know, if you think about it, you, if you made a collage of all the events of, of 2014 in the world or in your own life, it would look quite disjointed good and bad things all mixed up together, quite fragmentary. Good things, not such good things, filled our personal lives too. Good days, difficult days, successes, disappointments. Is, is there a line that runs through it all? Is there any sense in direction in it all if you think over what took place in your personal family life over the past years? Sometimes we really feel a need to be able to see connections, to be able to get a, a bigger picture of what's happening, right? Is, is there a purpose or plan to all the different things that have taken place so that we can make sense out of it all? There is congregation, and we see that in God's Word. God's Word brings it together. 
We see it in the text we have before us this first day of the new year. In this text, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit uses the imagery of God's hands. The imagery of God's hands which captures what's really going on in the world and in our own lives. This world and everything that takes place on it, also in our personal life, is all the works of God's hands. It's in God's hands. He holds the whole world in his hands, as the song goes. Those hands are at work, and that means that there is an overall plan and purpose to everything that happened in the world and in our lives last year. God was at work. His hands were in it. And therefore we can trust that the working out of all things for his plan and purpose was behind it all in the past and that will continue also in the new year. We can leave things in God's hands, we could say. We have our task and calling here as King David, the writer of Psalm 138, did. He was king, he had to reign. But like David, we may believe that God will work out his purpose for us and for this world. And that's how we can move ahead into the year of our Lord 2015. And I proclaim to you the word of God in Psalm 138, verse 8. With this theme, then, we can leave everything in God's hands. We see three things that come to the fore in the text. He will fulfill his purpose. Secondly, his mercy endures forever. And thirdly, do not forsake the work of your hands. First of all, we can leave everything in God's hands. He will fulfill his purpose. In the first part of the text, it says in our translation, the New King James Version, the Lord will perfect that which concerns me. And you notice there is a, uh, a little footnote there. He will complete that which concerns me. A little bit of a difficult translation here. The New International Version and the English Standard Version have here, the Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. And I believe that's more understandable. That captures what the text says here. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. See, in Psalm 138, David was thinking back on his storied past. He's, uh, evidently, he had been king for a time already. And he was thinking of, uh, on his storied past, a past with all kinds of things, good and bad, but David comes to the conclusion that in everything in his life, God was working for his purpose. And that purpose, that plan, we could even say for David was spoken about in 2 Samuel 7. David had expressed this desire, you remember, to build a house for the Lord and then the Lord told David he would build a house for him. He gave the messianic promise he would establish David's house and kingdom and throne forever. 
And David looks back in this psalm and back on his life and he says, yes, yes, Lord. I see that in everything you were working at fulfilling that promise for me. That's the sense and the meaning of my life and everything that took place in my life, good or bad. So in the first words of our text, David was expressing trust in the Lord God, actually. Trust. He's confident, thinking on the past, that God has his hand in everything, that God has a plan, that he is fulfilling that plan. Everything that had taken place in David's life wasn't just random occurrences, disjointed things. No, it all had a definite purpose in everything God had been working out his plan for David, his throne for his kingdom. He had been working in everything toward establishing David's house and throne and kingdom forever, as he promised. Oh, when when David just looked back over the ups and downs of his kingship without thinking about the Lord, all he would see then were unconnected events, random occasions. Obviously, he composed this psalm later in his kingship. It was going well with him at the time. That had not always been the case. He had often walked in the midst of trouble, as he implies in verse 7. He had time and again been the object of the wrath of his enemies. He had lived a life of contrasting circumstances, a jumble of good times, hard times. But David trusts in the light of the Lord his God. He trusts that God is leading his life and his kingdom over hills and through valleys to a specific destination He trusts that God will fulfill his purpose for him. The Lord will work out everything according to his plan and purpose for him. He will use all those seemingly random good and hard events and occasions and and things. He will use all those things in David's life to make a cohesive whole out of it for his purpose. coming of his kingdom. And David trusts that the Lord God is working toward that kingdom, that eternal kingdom even, and toward that eternal king we know now as Christ the Lord. Congregation, you, you, you can follow David in that trust today too. Think back on all the events of your life over the past, past year, year that's gone by. Good things, Difficult things, so-so things, the pleasant, the good things, new relationship, maybe an engagement, wedding in the family, a wedding, anniversary, birth of a baby, milestone birthday, move to a better place, beginning a better job, good times with family or friends, also difficult things, Right? Family issues, broken friendships, a miscarriage, work troubles, financial problems, disagreements that left you with a headache, 
sickness, declining health, anniversary of one or more deaths in a family. Or think of things that are still in process and you don't know where things will ultimately end up. It's just up in the air. For instance, being in therapy or, or under treatment for some health issue. Well, in all those good and not good and those unfinished things, congregation, you can do as David did. You could trust in the Lord your God that he is fulfilling his purpose for you. And in fulfilling that purpose for you, also wider for more people, for the world. He'll bring it all together. The good, the sad, the not good, the unfinished things in your life. And he'll braid them all together. Make a connective and cohesive whole out of it. Which suits his plan and purpose. He'll glue it all together. Give it a place in the whole picture. And we don't see the whole picture. We don't see how it all fits together for any purpose at at the time those things are happening. Not even now. We just see all these random events and loose ends. But God sees the picture, the big picture. We see lines going here and there and all over. He sees a single line, a path. We see things crumbling apart too. He sees building blocks. We see disconnected fragments. He sees a mosaic in which everything fits beautifully together and makes a picture. He is our almighty and gracious God in David's son, Jesus Christ, after all. And that means he has a plan and purpose for us. And he's busy working that plan and purpose out day by day and week by week, year after year, working out our lives, that path, that building up that, uh, uh, building up that house, putting that mosaic together in our lives and in the life of our nation, even in the life of the world. He oversees it all, every single thing, every occasion, every event, and he will fulfill his plan for you, for the world, busy in all the random events and loose ends, working out his purpose. He will fulfill his purpose for me. You can trust that. You can trust that. His hands are at work in everything to achieve his plan for you and for the world. Even when what's happening doesn't make any sense. And now we come to the second part of the sermon. God's mercy endures forever. God will fulfill his purpose, his plan. Quite an assertion. How could David know that for sure? That God is fulfilling his plan for him. On what basis does David say this in the text? Base his conviction No one has ever actually seen God's hands at work, have they? So how is David so sure that God's hands are busy in everything, working it all out for his purpose? 
Well, David bases his trust in the Lord God on what he knows about God and what he has experienced in his own life, too. And based on that, he says, too, in the middle of the text, your mercy, O Lord, endures forever. Your love, your undeserved favor never, ever comes to an end. I experienced that. In fact, David says, in the difficult times of my life, when I called on you, you answered. That's what he says at the beginning of this psalm earlier on. You were there to encourage and strengthen me. When I met with dangers, you kept my life. You defended me against the wrath of my enemies. So I experienced that you save and you take care of my life. I experienced that you are at work in my life. That's how I know that your mercy endures forever. Wonder if you, wonderful if you can say that and you know, point that out in your own life if you're thinking back on the past. Oh, Lord, help me there. You could see it. Maybe you also experienced that at certain times over the past year. That you could say, I experienced that, that enduring mercy of God at such and such a time. I, I, I just knew that that was, that was God with me. I prayed, God answered. I saw his hand, so to speak. He saved my life. He kept me. However, maybe at other times you wondered where in the world God was. Whether he heard your prayer at all. Whether he had any plan for your life at all. Ongoing difficulties in relationships, financial worries, or you wondered if God is with all those airplane disasters that happened. You can imagine those people, what a sorrow. Or with rise of the radical Muslim movement in the world and the death and destruction that that spreads. Where's God's hand in those things? We don't see that. Brothers and sisters, you, you can't always see that enduring mercy and faithfulness of God. Be wonderful if you could see more evidence of it, wouldn't it? But you know, sometimes it's right in front of us and we don't even see it. We only realize it was God's mercy and faithfulness later on. David had had those times too. Think of the Psalms of lament. You know, when he felt forsaken by God at first. But then later on he realizes God's hand was there with me all the time. Working to keep and to bless me. But he only sees that later. God's mercy endures forever, David says in our text. And it's wonderful if you can show that in your life, that you can point out where and how that showed when this or that happened. But the truth of that doesn't depend ultimately on your experience of it. That God's mercy is so enduring is nowhere so evident for us today as, as when he sent his only son for us. Jesus Christ. And he sent him to save sinners like us. The fact that God sent him to redeem us, that is the ultimate proof. The ultimate overall proof and evidence that God's mercy is everlasting Jesus Christ is the basis for all God's mercy, for an eternal mercy of God. Because of Christ, God's hands 
are busy at work in everything in this world. Nothing escapes his attention. In your life and in this world too. Especially then in the lives of his people. To fulfill his purpose. For them. For everything. To bring about the everlasting glory of his kingdom of peace. He is at work. Congregation, that's ultimately how we know that God is going to carry out his purpose for, for you and me. Because of Jesus' birth and death and resurrection and ascension, God will never take his hands off this world and his hands away from us. He will not. He will most certainly finish what he has begun. He won't leave the work of his hands half finished. People often don't and can't finish what they they have begun to do. They planned something and they started out and you see that sometimes in a city, a half finished project or so. So often what we do ourselves is incomplete, unfinished. We don't have the ability or we aren't given the time but and the resources, but God always fully completes his plans and purposes. One, one commentator I read writes, there are no unfinished pictures on the walls of God's studio, no incomplete statutes in his halls of sculpture. What he begins, he pledges to complete. His mercy endures forever, so we cannot tire it or wear it out. Congregation, because of Christ, the mercy of the Lord God will never fail. And his hands are always busy in the lives of his people, working everything out for their complete salvation and glory. You have every reason to trust that. You can can trust that as, as you head into this new year. That every day, the Lord's hand is there too, working in your life too. The Lord will fulfill what he has undertaken for you because of Christ the King. In the meantime though, that fulfillment hasn't taken place yet. And what should we do in the meantime? Just sit back, let it all happen, whatever. And that brings us to the last part of the sermon this morning. Do not forsake the work of your hands. Says, says David, David understood that God's purpose and plan for his life wasn't finished yet. The fulfillment wasn't there yet. Even though he was now king, his life was fairly peaceful. He realized that God still had to had a lot of things to bring to completion for him. And even 2,000 years after Jesus coming to earth, things are still not finished here on earth. That's why... This little planet's still here, turning the way it has for, for ages. It's not finished. Yes, Jesus' work here on earth was a clear step in God's purpose. His birth, etc. But, but that purpose is still not finished. We experience that in all the ups and downs of our lives and we see that in what's coming, what's happening in the world, right? That it's not finished. So much is still unfinished and incomplete. 
But God's mercy endures forever. He will fulfill his purpose for us and for everything. So we don't have to be anxious or alarmed. Whatever takes place. We don't have to be afraid of what lies ahead. We can lay it in God's busy hands in prayer. And that's what David does here. This is a prayer at the end. Expresses trust in God's promises. Do not forsake the work of your hands. He prays. He doesn't sit back with his arms folded. No, he prays to God. He asks the Lord God to to finish what he has begun. He trusts that the Lord is working on it. And yet he prays for that too. He begs the Lord, continue to work at your purpose, at the renewal of all things, when everyone and everything will be perfect and serve and praise God. That shows us what we need to keep doing too. We need to be busy ourselves, but also pray. Especially pray. Pray that the Lord God will take this world in, in his hands and bring it where he wants it to, to be, to perfect glory, to hold our lives in the palm, palms of his hands and to work out everything for his purpose, to mold it all for his, his purpose, for our complete salvation. Lord, do not forsake the work of your hands. And that's not a fearful prayer, as if the psalmist is afraid that God's going to take back his, withdraw his hands and not complete what he has begun. No, Psalm 138 isn't a psalm full of fear, a psalm full of praise and thanksgiving. Look at how it starts. I will praise you with my whole heart. Before the gods, the leaders of the world, I will sing praises to you. No, Not a song of doubt or fear, but a song of trust in the Lord. He will certainly fulfill his purpose for me. That's why David praises him and prays to him. The prayer for God not to forsake the works of his hands is simply a calling on God to do as he has promised to do and and he trusts is doing. It's a David lays everything in God's hands again. He says, He does that again and again, not to remind God as such, but to remind himself as the prayer that that's that's what he must and can do, put everything in God's hands from day to day. Yes, congregation, God will finish what he has begun, will fulfill his purpose for you and me. It's not in our hands, and we have to remind ourselves of that time and time again. That our, our life in God's, is in God's hands. The world's existence is in his hands. And he's busy with his purpose and plan for it all. He has a hand in it all. We need to stop arrogantly thinking that we control things. That we need to bring things to fulfillment ourselves. We need to humbly keep putting it all in God's hands. As David says in verse 6 of this psalm, though the Lord is on high, yet he regards the lowly, but the proud he knows from afar. The proud are those who think that they have everything in their own hands. 
We need to pray as David does at the end of our text to remain in order to remain lowly, humble before God in our hearts. That's what that prayer is about. So if there's anything we have to take with us in 2015, it's that, that humility. Especially in the volatile circumstances we live in in the world today and in our own life, the unpredictability of our own life. Let's not seek our life and certainty in our own abilities, in our own control, in our own paycheck or in an economic upturn in the country or so. No, if it was up to people, if it was up to us, Things would go completely haywire. Nothing would ever be fulfilled. But in God's hands, everything is moving toward that fulfillment. And nothing will slip through his fingers. He has the whole world firmly in his hands. He has you and me firmly in his hands. He will finish what he has begun for his mercy endures forever so we can leave everything in his hands in this new year too do not forsake the work of your hands O lord amen let us pray father thank you for the the words of psalm 138 given by your holy spirit words from your heart You promised to fulfill your purpose for us and your promise is sure because your mercy endures forever. And therefore we can pray to you, do not forsake the work of your hands. And therefore we can leave everything in your hands too. Give us the the faith and the humility of faith to be able to leave everything in your hands every day too no matter what we face in this new year. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.